So we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes college. In today's episode, we will be discussing the NFL playoffs, Deshaun Watson, the Eagles head coach being fired, and the College Football National Championship, the James Harden trade, Kyrie Irving, and NBA COVID protocol problems. But before we get into it, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Muhammad, and I'll let my partner introduce himself. Oh, yeah, it's Alex, and then we have a full slate. Um, yeah, just we're going to have to unload all this great news, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely tune in. But... I guess we'll start it off with the most recent news with James Harden. So the Houston Rockets, they finally trade James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets and the, the Rockets receive a 2022, 2024 and 2026 first round draft picks uh, from the Nets and also pick swaps in 2021 2023 and 2025 and also 2027 um and they also got two other teams involved the cleveland cavaliers um they get their 2022 first round pick um which came from the milwaukee bucks and a future second round pick from the pacers because the pacers they traded victor oladipo for Cavs lavert who came from the brooklyn nets um, it's a lot to tie up here, but <laughs> um, now they have a trio of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden on the Brooklyn Nets. So, with this sudden trade, are the Rockets a lock for the NBA Finals? I mean, not Rockets, sorry. I might need to say that over. <laughs> with this sudden trade for James Harden, are the Brooklyn Nets now a lock for the NBA Finals? Um, I wouldn't say they're a lock. I say that it is definitely a make-or-break season every season now. But it's really like they were already kind of under that kind of scope anyway because of Kevin Durant and this whole I want to be better than LeBron thing, which he, he's just never going to touch, I don't personally think. But I... I, I'd say that they just ha- it's a make or break season every season, and it, it makes it a whole lot more likely. I, I don't know. I'm not even sure more likely. Uh, I just have to say I'm not sure. I'm gonna say no. They're, they're not a lock. Um, it's really hard seeing this really even work um, because initially you will just have Kevin Durant and James Harden, and Kyrie Irving is off doing whatever. Um, so we don't know when he's going to be back, um, but this is not a lock. I think that this is it, it makes it more complicated just putting these three stars together. Um, Kevin Durant, I think that he can pretty much work with all of them. But Kyrie Irving and James Harden, I have no idea how that's going to work. Uh, if Kyrie Irving can even just get back to the court. But I think there's more news to come. And. If it does work, I think I could see like the first year of Miami type of chemistry 
um, not chemistry as in getting to the championship. I, I'm saying like they're not knowing whose turn it is. Uh, for example, how they even Kevin Durant and Kyrie had an issue with taking the last shot. Well, they just missed the last shot in uh, both of them uh, in one of the games. And then one of the games, they kept passing it to each other, like, who's going to take the last shot? Now, that a, a lot is up in the air. Realistically, who team is it? It is. Everybody, of course, is stating it's Kevin Durant's team. But we also know he's not the big vocal leader, even if he may pretend to be. Uh, I don't honestly see any of them as the vocal leader. If anything, I think Kyrie can possibly say the right things, but I don't think he's going to end up doing the right things. For example, his whole hiatus from the NBA team, just because. Yeah, I think Kyrie Irving, he is most likely the vocal leader, but he's not going to do all the right things. He's not really going to do the things to back it up, to show what a leader should do. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know how this works. This this really actually seems like a mess. I, I'm quite excited, though. I actually, it makes me a favorite. I'm not favor them, but I like them a little bit more. I like the Nets a little bit more with Harden, but I do still see it in any failure, whether that be in the championship or even in the Eastern Conference Finals. But, you know, it's ultimate. Maybe, actually, let me just be very honest. I, I probably is my deep feelings that, once again, Kevin Durant can crash and burn because he has everything stacked on his plate. And if he doesn't make it there, he, once again, doesn't live up to the LeBron standard. That's really, really, really what's back in the middle of my, in the back of my mind, to be real. So you wanted to crash and burn? Oh, you know, I've been on the whole crash and burn for Kevin Durant. I'm not really a fan of Kevin Durant at all. And then him considering himself to be like LeBron doesn't does not help at all. Once again, him going to Golden State didn't help at all. So it's just not many things. As a person, I don't dislike him. But even as a person, I probably wouldn't hang out with him that often. He just seems a little... Possibly mentally weak when it comes to just social things. Like, I don't, not to get to dive too far into that. I know that realistically, my motives for being excited about it is really rooted in fandom for LeBron. And knowing that even if they get there, I still don't believe they, they win. But it actually makes the Lakers more inclined to pull out another great player to, pull, to come to their team. Possibly, but with uh, with Kevin Durant, I don't I, I don't mind him now. Like I kind of I, I kind of disliked him before for the move that he did going to the Warriors, but I don't mind him now. So it doesn't matter to me if he fails or not. Oh yeah, um, I'm just looking to see what happens. Agreed. I I don't mind him, but I I'm I'm really sticking on this. He wouldn't have a championship without Golden State. And I'm still playing out the long game of what I said even years ago, that he would never live out of the shadow shadow of those rings that we all know were stacked rings, that he wouldn't be there without joining that team because he wouldn't be the one there, which once again would leave him with zero rings at this point. So I'm riding that whole theory that he never gets any rings, that he is not LeBron, he does not make the difference. And at a lower level, any team just getting to the championship unless it's overloaded. And this team is overloaded, and I'm still thinking 
it's a mess and it ain't going to be nowhere near as his experiment with going to stay. Yeah, because that was already a ready-made team and he just added himself to it and he doesn't exactly need the ball. This is just trying to put an all-star it's, team together and just hope it just works. It's his creation. And that's what I'm going to, I think I'm reveling in his creation because once it fails, I get all, I get to just uh, soak it in. It, it's like the, the repeat of how I felt about the Clippers last year. I think of them as no threat this year, even though they could be a realistic threat. But I, I, everybody's thinking is somewhat tampered uh, or it's kind of tapered, sorry, tapered when it comes to their thinking about the Clippers. The, of course, the expectations for the Nets are going to be extra, just through the roof. And when they fail and they fall below it, which I definitely think they will, I'm going to kind of just smirk on that side, like, ha, 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 uh, LeBron over, good over here in the West. Y'all go ahead and struggle over there in the East. And it's the East at that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that, that's one way to look at it. But at a minimum, they have to get to the finals. You have to with this squad, oh, yeah. those three stars. I agree, but I think I'm still sticking with Philly being the one that makes it out of the East this year. Philly or or when it's just another team. I don't think the Nets are the one, that, the team that's going to be the one making it there. They they don't have a head coach, but they technically do. They it's just too many things against them, but they their expectations are nothing less than getting there. And if you do not make it past the Eastern Conference just to get to the championship, which it's kind of like if you're a top player, you got to be there. You, you need to make it out of the East because the East is so weak. Y'all was bragging about LeBron not being in this weak conference. You better dominate. You better dominate. Yeah, but I'll go back to something that I said earlier. I said that there's I think that there's more news to come. And um, well, I'll move it along to Kyrie Irving and how he was just recently seen on a Zoom call for a DA candidate, um, you know, just chilling, looking like he had no worries. And he also attended a party for his sister and possibly father, I'm not sure. Um, and he's also missed the past four games and could, could potentially miss more. So with Kyrie Irving missing so much time, should the Nets start thinking about shopping Kyrie Irving? It ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. This is Kevin Durant's show. Kevin Durant is the guider for the franchise right now because they pretty much said, we're going to appease you completely if you come to us instead of the Nets or anywhere else. Sorry, not the Nets, but the Knicks. If you come to us, the, the Nets versus the Knicks, we're going to give you everything you want and make your dreams come true, and we are going to consider you on every move we make, down to the head coach, which they gave Steve Nash a uh, random first job as the head coach of this super team now. Uh, also, Kyrie. Kyrie is his best friend, literally his best friend. It's not happening. If anything, like you were saying, there being more news, Kyrie, like Stephen A. has kind of been professing, should just retire. And I really do see him doing that just because he does not want to follow any type of rules. He, he, he wants to do what he wants to do with his platform, which he's inclined to do. He can definitely do that, but it's just going to, it adds to the complications of the Nets situation, which maybe the Nets know and are preparing 
for that to be that situation, which actually frees up room on the salary cap if he was to retire. Yeah, that's one way to look at it, but I think you just got to get from under him. This guy's more trouble than he's worth, and he's he's not really helping your team much. Um, I mean, whenever he's there, he's able to play well, but then he's injured, and then he's out for reasons. But you you got to do something. I mean, try to talk to Kevin Durant. What you, you got to do something? Yeah, I I hear you, but they're handcuffed. They're handcuffed by the silent possible disapproval from Kevin Durant. Because I was gonna say you talked to him. True, but how are you gonna come to him to talk about him letting him go and knowing that he's gonna go to Kyrie about it? Because otherwise, it's it's betraying their trust or the their their setup of best friend trust. It's, it's not a whole. Uh, this is all business. He brought him there. Well, it's not that he brought him there. He approved him there, and they know that he knows that if he is gone. Kevin Durant had to approve of it to some degree. Yeah, he has to agree to it, but man, you got to take your team back at some point. Um, Where's Steve Nash in all of this? (laughs) I mean, a a non-coach, a coach where they, just like they said, there's no, there's no real coach. They can, I I really hate uh, going with this analogy. You know, the uh, guy from the NFL said this, but can't let the prisoners run the asylum. I'd rather say the uh, not the prisoners, but the uh, the crazies uh, run the asylum. But they're letting them rule all of this, and it's headed by Kevin Durant, which Kevin Durant is not. I, I personally think he's not going to be the most upfront with them on his dislikes until they're like they've done it, and he like you know I ain't really like that, and they're like dang Kevin you didn't tell me. I, I just. I just feel like he's not. He presents a good show for that leader and knowing and the direction and all of that other stuff. He's following the LeBron playbook, but I don't think he can actually pull it off. No, um, I don't think he's ever been put in that position where he is kind of like the GM, you know, kind of putting his words in for this this player, that player, um, because he's he just he joined right, a ready-made team. And he, what feels, did you say? he feels he has the right now. So he's taking the right, right, even though he hasn't really earned that right. I guess he feels he's earned it through his popularity, um, ranking and things like that. But he hasn't earned it by actually doing it. I, I guess you can look at it in that way. But LeBron did the same thing before he won a ring. Yeah, but that was a... Go to to somewhere. Well, he did go to somewhere else too, uh, but I, I, LeBron did that there. He really couldn't do it when he went to Cleveland. But each time they they considered his choice for the most part, other than the Heat when they stopped appeasing. I think it was more whenever he went to Cleveland the second time. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. He was. He had him uh, under the, his thumb. They had to do that. Was a that was he was holding them hostage in a way and and friendly hostage because he was definitely getting them a lot of money. But he knew that's why he's signing those one one year one year deals with an option on the second year. It's because it's always a threat that I can leave at any time. You better keep me happy, LeBron. I mean, Kevin Durant. He has that status 
but I don't think he brings brings the championship to them or to get into the finals to them for that type of power. Yeah, I can see what you're saying because Kevin Durant has not really carried or dragged some poor team to the finals before. Um, like LeBron oh, nowhere has. Near it. Nowhere near it. He's always, if he's gotten to the finals, he's had at least two stars. Yep, that's true. That's very true. And I mean, in this situation, were, if that happens, it's the same thing. And two were f- former MVPs. So actually, three. So Three, three or four more MVPs. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> including yeah. him. So there, and I don't think LeBron has ever played with an MVP, other than uh, Shaq. But that you don't count that. Shaq was clearly extremely old at that point. Uh, other than that, I don't. I can't think of. Uh, no, wait. Did Wade win a? Uh, he got a Finals MVP. He doesn't have a NBA final. I mean NBA. MVP, no, no league MVP. Okay, so the only person you consider is Shaq, and that really can't be considered to somebody who had at least minimum three. Yeah, but I mean, he was way out of his prime. Um, yeah, <laughs> but just uh, yeah, but just to bring it back, Kevin Durant, he he is the mystery in this, along with them not having defense because they are not going to have any defense. And right now, I actually think we should start be, start looking at Embiid as a possible MVP candidate. He's not going to win MVP, I don't think, but he's out here performing. He just scored 45 points in the game just two days ago. Yeah, I think MVP is up for grabs right now. But um, I'm moving along to the NBA COVID issues. So... With the NBA implementing stricter health and safety guidelines amid a breakout of positive coronavirus tests and close contacts, George Hill, a guard from Oklahoma City, Thunder, questioned some of the logic behind the protocols following a game. Um, he, He said, quote, we want to play the game, but I don't understand some of the rules. We can sweat 48 minutes with a guy next to us for 48 minutes, but we can't talk to them afterwards. It makes no sense. Um, so with his comments, do you think the NBA is being too strict with their COVID protocols? Good questioning, because I was definitely going to say the NBA is tripping, but they're, they're not tripping. They're, they're not overdoing it because there's really no underdoing it when it comes to COVID. Uh, but... I definitely think I'm on the side of George Hill. They are tripping. They're absolutely tripping. If they want to monetize these small situations where you were literally in contact with the same exact person, it's it's, it's becoming a bit... Is that the point where, they, like he said, they just need to not be playing if that is going to be the case? Because there's... It's just no logic behind... There, there is a logic, but... Realistically, if you got it in the 30, 40, two, three hours, you were just sweating with the person, you more than likely got it then than speaking to them right after doing that exact same thing. So, and I, I know he's really complaining on the out of uh, when you're off the court, can't be around party. Well, of course, don't want to be around parties. That's just guy number one for COVID. But uh, 
I, I do think that they are tripping. And if anything, there was one good idea where they said they can bubble them all in Hawaii. I don't know whether they want to spend that type of money, but they're saying, why don't you just take all the players, put them in Hawaii for a couple months with their family and quarantine that way. But it, it, I, I don't know. I just think in overall, it is what it is. They're going to have to accept the positive cases with the negative cases. They did great for the bubble, but you're back in the real world now. Yeah, I think the NBA is just trying to do the best that they can. Um, I mean, because the the number of positive cases have just grown exponentially. Um, they they're having to postpone games multiple times. Um, some it, the main reason why they they have to postpone is because they just don't have enough players to play. And I thought that was a huge concern going into the season because these teams are made up of probably max fifteen players. So, I mean, you got so many players in close contact, they're ruled out, and you got to postpone the game. Um, but you look at the NFL, they have so many different players. They got like a 53-man roster. Um, the, the biggest effect that it had for most of the season, I think, was if your quarterback got um, COVID, like Lamar Jackson or um, the, all the Broncos quarterbacks. I mean, those were extreme situations, but the NFL got through all of their games um, it's just hard for for the NBA. Um, I'm going to say that they're, they're just doing the best that they can. Okay. I, I definitely agree. Um, it definitely benefits the M- NFL that they have less games and more players. Definitely it benefits them. The NBA is just going to have to morph their idea of a season. They're really just going to have to morph it because there's no way they keep making up all of these games because if one person possibly has it or one person has it now you have to quarantine the whole team you also got to quarantine the other team that they were just playing against and you might need to also quarantine the other people who was around them it's it spreads it's It's a slippery slope yeah and they really might not have covid but just to take the precaution you have to put them on that quarantine and then in random cities for a week two weeks and then, realistically, they could jump right back into the pool of getting COVID easily by just going home. So it's, it's, it's just too many factors in NBA games uh, for the people who are around. It's just, I, I didn't think, maybe because it was the bubble, but I, didn't, I thought the NFL wouldn't be able to make it. But it looks like the NBA is going to be the one who's going to have to morph their idea of a season again. Yeah, um, they're definitely going to have to morph it if they want to get in every single game or possibly just finish the season. They can't get in every single game because if you're uh, delaying games, that means you're spreading the season further along or you're uh, jeopardizing the health of your star players just to get games in and which then leads to injuries during the playoffs which does nothing for the NBA because they're all star power. I think that you just either got to scrap the season or get back in a bubble. Um, even though the players hated it, um, they were ready to get out of it. Either way, they, they're going to have to make, a, make some drastic changes. I, I agree. It's, it's teams on teams. 
And yeah, I, I just it's it's gonna have to be changes. I think what they should do is give them a window of ten games that they don't have to play, like a window of. But that leads to competitive issues. Are you uh, just saying you got COVID or fake tests so you don't have to face certain players? I don't. I don't think they would get that complicated. I don't think they're that scared of other teams. But if you give them a window of 10 to 15 games where they don't have to play or can be absolved from the season, you may be able to keep the integrity of the regular season. Yeah, um, I think you have to probably have maybe a playing tournament or like eventually you, you, you're probably going to have to have a bubble, some type of bubble, have a playing tournament where. I don't know, one through eight, one through ten or something, the top eight get into the playoffs or something. I don't know. They're going to have to change something. And what's crazy, I really don't think these players want to go back to a bubble. Like, I oh, think no. that was an experience that they they were down for in the beginning just to get it done. But then after that, they're like, dang, like, I know what comes with this. It, this kind of communication, these kind of nights, the, this long amount of time. If I'm get, getting to even my goal, I'm in there for three months, uh, not seeing my family, not being able to do this. I got to reconstruct my life once I get out. Is it all worth it? So ah, it's going to be hard getting those players back into a bubble without it being playoffs. And even if it is playoffs. I mean, I agree. And then you have to think about you could possibly have to do it the next season. So <laughs> they're just in a bad spot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it is what it is. <laughs> hey, you got to suck it up if you want that money. But we'll move along to the NFL and we'll talk about Deshaun Watson and how he's unhappy with the direction of the Houston Texans. So just recently, Deshaun Watson behind closed doors has said that he wants out of Houston. Um, they, there are possible teams out there that, you know, are very interested, but Deshaun Watson, uh, I mean, players in the NFL don't have as much freedom as the players in the NBA. But with Deshaun Watson's unhappiness, will he be able to get out of his contract or be traded from the Houston Texans? I actually think he will. In most cases, I would say no. It's just because his stock is valuable. His stock is valuable, valuable, but not valuable to Houston. Valuable to their fans, valuable to the other players, but not valuable to the other front office. This, they're not going to be able to solve this. It's just not going to go down. And they've already betrayed him, betrayed, betrayed him multiple times already uh, by letting go of players when they were the only things keeping them alive in their division. So I think he can. And I actually think he lands in a very comfortable spot, uh, whether it be because there's some possible uh, ideas of trades like Tua for him, which if I was Houston, I could entertain that. Uh, if or also Jacksonville trading Trevor Lawrence straight up for uh, Lamar Jackson, which I would do. Uh, something I know versus a, a possible, even though it's a marquee franchise player, he's still a rookie. 
So I, I think he lands in a good spot and he does get out. I'm going to agree with you. I, I think that he lands in a place that has a lot of money as far as like, um, you know, like spending money for the cap or a lot of draft picks. And I think Miami is probably that place because they have multiple picks in the first round again. Um, and they just might not be sold on tour. And I think that Deshaun Watson would love to go to Miami because they already have a pretty good team that just barely missed the playoffs. And then you add him on top of that, somebody who had one of his best seasons on one of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, th- I mean, that's a perfect situation. But I kind of hope that he goes to the Patriots in a way because um, we definitely need a quarterback. <laughs> <I don't think laughs> we need somebody happens. for the future. I, I think Cam I Newton is still Cam, – Cam Newton can still play, but he, he, can't, he can't operate up there. Um, we need a whole rebuild. <laughs> I think there's no possible way Deshaun and Jackson goes to the Patriots and that's due to them not caring about catering to the players I just don't see it uh, with Deshaun Jackson uh, Belichick would accept him but only at some type of deal or discount or something like that I just don't see that happening now I also could see him going to San Fran which is a great move for him but a hard division uh, but they, they can they can reach the Super Bowl. I think if he went to San Fran, if he went to San Fran, I think Miami is a big Mike possibility. Shanahan? Yeah, mm-hmm. or Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, Kyle. Sorry, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, um, I mean, there's some quarterback needy teams that might not have a great draft pick. Um, of course, the Patriots. Uh, Possibly the 49ers because not being sold on Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, probably the Colts. Phillip Rivers is on his last few legs. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe even Tampa Bay. You never know because Tom Brady's not exactly the future. <laughs> True. <laughs> but I don't know what they would give up, though. But, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. Houston just needs to work it out. I think they do. Uh, it's going to be quite quiet in the sports scene for Houston going up forward here for a little while. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're losing all their superstars. Um, they say they got cousins in wall. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, I know. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I'll move it along to the Philadelphia Eagles and their decision to fire their head coach, Doug Peterson, after five seasons. So, Doug Peterson, he was at the helm whenever he decided to go with Jalen Hurts over Carson Wentz at quarterback. And he also was coaching them whenever they won uh, Super Bowl in 2017. But the owner met with Doug Peterson and did not like his direction that he was taking the team. So, with the firing of Doug Peterson, what is the future for Carson Wentz? Hmm. I'm not sure, which I was actually going to begin with. I'm confused with them because uh, it's like reports saying that they took the side of the quarterback over the coach. And I honestly don't feel they're going with either one. I think 
So I'm not really sure what their thinking is right now because either you're getting rid of Hurts or you're getting rid of Wentz. There's almost no other choice. So I don't know. I'm just confused with their situation. I know I, I hear really the media got him fired. The media completely got him fired with the whole uh, switching out quarterbacks. Oh, we can't trust his integrity. It could have slipped by and not been a problem. The media got him fired. Uh, but I, I don't see where there's really any direction other than trying to find a route for Jalen Hurts, even though I hear that they were choosing Wentz over the coach because he said it's their relationship is not uh, not solvable. What's the, it's not recon, reconcilable. Um, so I, I'm, I'm just confused. Maybe you can explain. <laughs> well, I mean, I am confused too. But to, to go back to that point where you said that the media got Doug Peterson fired, I think it was just the last straw because the team was not good at all. They only got four wins and he is a big reason for that. Um, he, uh, I mean, Carson Wentz play is mostly on himself, but Doug Peterson did not help him at all. Um, and it seems like he just lost control of the team. So I think that's all on him. But as far as Carson Wentz's future, uh, I think that with the firing of the head coach, I think he sta- he, he stays around um, because they did pay him either last year or the year before a huge contract. And I think that they still want to build around him. Um, Cause they, he, he's, I think he's probably still talented. Um, he just needs the right direction. Sometimes you just need a change of voice in the locker room. I mean, you look at somebody like Ryan Tannehill, he was with Miami. He was an up and down player, but now he's with a more consistent team with the Tennessee Titans that has pieces around him. Um, and it really helps having Derrick Henry. Uh, he just needs a different voice, a different direction. And I think that the owner saw that. He saw that it was just going in the wrong direction. So I think that they are choosing Carson Wentz and want to move forward with him. I don't know where that leaves Jalen Hurts because he thought that, you know, this might be his team going forward. But maybe they trade him because maybe he wants out. <laughs> uh, a bunch of. A, a bunch of confusion. I I don't. I actually think you got to the point, but danced around the point because you said it with Tannehill. He actually needs a change of scenery. You don't need a change of voice. That change of voice, change of voice comes with a change of scenery. And I still think that Philly, as a fan base, has never embraced him fully. They wanted to embrace him. They was gung ho for embracing him, and then Nick Foles went and stole their heart. So never ever since then, it's really it's it's just not his city anymore. I, I just don't see it for him. I think their best route is to go with Jalen Hurts and smart. I, I honestly can see Wentz going to the Colts. It just seems like their type of quarterback. Yeah, that could work because there is some familiarity there. The head coach there was the play caller or offensive coordinator for his potential MVP season before he got hurt. Um, so, I mean, that could work, but I mean, who's coming in after them? Who's the, I mean, did they get a new GM or like, 
where is the direction going from here? Who is going to be the head coach? I think that that's a big key in where Carson Wentz goes or stays. I agree. Um, so it's going to be the direction of the coach, but I think whichever direction they take, they're going to have to get rid of somebody. Yes, because you got two guys who think that think that they deserve the starting spot. Um, not, I, o- not only that, but they're, they're depreciating uh, assets. The long, they're both stocks, I think, are the highest. Well, not the highest with for Wentz, but it's the highest for. Actually, I wouldn't even say it's the highest. That they're they're just so in a confusing situation, just so you don't know whether they're actually planning to move forward with him or whether they're done with him. We should at least give them some type of trading power because I think if they tried to do that during the season, they wouldn't have got as much as they have now with a toss up of who the coach is going to be. Yeah, um, but if I'm the Patriots, I got to get Jalen Hurts. Get him right now. I mean, I actually wanted him see that. before the, the draft, but then the, the Eagles just reached for him and got got him in the second round. But I say go for Jalen Hurts or even Dak Prescott. <laughs> Dak Prescott? Uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, I definitely – because I think he's going to get locked up with uh, Dallas. They, they really don't have much choices there because it's just stupid if they don't. But I could definitely see Jalen Hurts going to the Patriots because he's a – from what I've seen, he's a low maintenance quarterback, and he doesn't. He's not out there in the media. He 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 just does seem like he stays low key, which is definitely the Patriot way. Oh yeah, he puts his head down, gets to work, wants to work really hard, runs very hard, does as well as he can. I, I think that he would be the perfect quarterback, um, and he's pretty young. Um, I mean, he's kind of similar to Cam Newton, but I mean, definitely not as big. No, but he's right. he's much younger. <laughs> okay, yeah, true. I mean, that helps. <laughs> yeah, no, it helps a lot. I agree. I definitely agree. But I agree to the Hurts to the Patriots. That's only if they're not trying to go forward with Hurts because I think if they took a vote like out to their fans, it would be Hurts over Wentz. I think they'd be pretty split. <laughs> Who Who's on the side of Wentz? He, he wasn't the one that got in the Super Bowl. They love Foles. Yeah, they love Foles, but Carson Wentz was there first, and he he had... Actually, he wasn't. Uh, probably two great seasons. Because Foles was there before him, plus went to another team and then came back again. Remember when he used Wait, to huh? be the starter? I, I, I think you meant that the other way around. Nick Foles? Yeah, you said so. Nick Foles, he was, he was there first, and then he left and came back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he used to be the starting I, I guess, quarterback. He was like a yeah, starting, at one starting point. quarterback for a while, and he balled for that first part. And then he got he went his play went down. They traded him away for about two years. He came back as a backup, and then came to shine when that Super Bowl year. Yeah, yeah, that happened. But I mean. As we can see, he's not that great of a quarterback. I mean, just look of at course. him now. But. Of course. It's all legend. It's it's all the feel of who they like, I think. I think they they embraced Foles his second time around. And then he had a, a second run for getting to the playoffs or in the playoffs with them after the Super Bowl two year. So they, it just kind of instilled their love for him. He even has a statue. So 
Yeah, bro. I, I think it skips over Wentz. And I, I saw this coming even before they won the Super Bowl because I, I, I know I said it to a few people. I might have said it to you, but I felt that they would never love him uh, if Foles won that Super Bowl. And I wanted to see it play out. Now we're at that point. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I, we didn't have this podcast at that time, but um, no, I, I, I know you said that person, after. But <laughs> yeah. I know you said it after that. Like they, they would never love him like they did Nick Foles. But um, I, I, there's some fans for Carson Wentz. Somebody's out there. But <laughs> we'll move it along to the NFL playoffs for the next round, the divisional round with oh, the we're matchup. Not gonna of, the last, we're not going to discuss hmm? last week's? Well, yeah, we can. We, we, we can discuss last week. So the first game was the Bills and the Colts. So the Bills beat the Colts. 27 to 24 um, with Josh Allen passing for 324 yards and two touchdowns and also getting 54 rushing yards in the rushing touchdown. Um, and Stefan Diggs got six receptions for 128 yards and a receiving touchdown while Phillip Rivers threw for 309 and two tubs <laughs> and um, still took that L. But with the Buffalo Bills moving past the Indianapolis Colts has Josh Allen arrived uh, to work to work <laughs> that's about it <laughs> arrived to what wow. superstardom <laughs> that's what? about it well he yeah well, in a way yes he did what he he did what he was supposed to do uh, I don't I don't know about no arrived to superstardom I don't think he's even in the like, he's done what he's supposed to do. He's definitely been a reason why they they won that game. But I'm nowhere near ready to put him in the top 10 of the quarterbacks in the NBA, NFL because I, I can definitely name a good amount of quarterbacks before him. Well, I think to a certain degree he has arrived. I mean, people were really hyping him up going into the season, and I think that he met those expectations. I don't think he exceeded them, but – if he can get Buffalo to the AFC Championship game, I, I think he he has arrived because you get you you beat Lamar because they they're they're going to be playing the Ravens, um, and nobody thought just thinking about last year that they would even get this far. So I think that he's to a certain degree has arrived. Um, he's playing at uh, somewhat MVP level, and he is responsible for most of their success. You know that's like saying if Jared Goff has arrived, it's mm, he not exactly. To, he got to the Super Bowl. He's well, he wasn't a reason why they were winning those games. So, so I, I can give you that. Uh, but I, I just I, I equate them to about the same level of quarterback. They come through your oh, for you sometimes, and sometimes they come through. Uh, I don't even say Jared Goff is a bad quarterback. He's more than serviceable. It's just that he's not a superstar. I think that's a bad comparison, Jared Goff and Josh Allen. Now, Josh Allen just really arrived this year as being one of the top half of quarterbacks. But Jared Goff, if he doesn't have somewhat of some weapons, I mean, he's pretty much mediocre at times. Now, he can be good, but he's really an up-and-down quarterback. No, I agree, but I'm just saying that's how I feel about uh, Josh Allen. I, I... I respect the numbers. 
I respect that he's done what he's supposed to do. But if you're talking about a ride to stardom, nah, I'm not. I'm not in that boat. Okay. Well, we'll move along to his matchup for this upcoming week with the Bills and the Ravens. Um, actually, we'll talk about the Ravens first. So the Ravens defeated the Titans with a twenty to thirteen victory, and the guys dancing on their logo at the middle of the field. And Lamar finally got his first playoff win. So, with Lamar Jackson getting over the hump with his first playoff win, can he now make the, make a run to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think he is. Uh, he knocked one monkey off his back. I think he gets a bridge game. Like they're Buffaloes, they're they're competitive, but I wouldn't be scared of, more scared of them than I would Tennessee. And they just handled Tennessee mostly due to him. I think the next monkey on his back, which is probably going to push him past this game, past Buffalo, is being able to get over the Mahomes uh, and the Chiefs hurdle. He's never beat them. They, they keep beating him. And, they, and it seems like he's not even, when they face each other, it makes it seem like he's not even close in comparison for a great quarterback, even though he won MVP just a year right after Mahomes did. But I think that's going to push him past Buffalo, and it's going to be a toss-up when it comes to that AFC championship game, which I, if he, he gets over that, that's the Super Bowl. So you've gotten everything. Simply by getting past his own little hur- hurdles, he gets to the big game. So I think this gets him to the Chiefs, but I don't know about beating the Chiefs. That's going to be the hard part. Well, the Chiefs have to get there first. But, True. Um, but do you think about it lose? I know we'll get Yeah, to that it's very way. possible. I think okay. it's highly possible. Okay. But, I, I we'll get more into that later, but go ahead. Yeah, but I think that, yeah, he can ride this wave to the AFC Championship, but this will probably be a huge test for him. Um, I think that it'll probably be a high-scoring game, kind of a back-and-forth game. Because I don't think the Bills have a very great defense. But, I mean, they, they can make plays here and there. I think the Ravens defense might be just a little bit better. But um, it's, it's, it's going to be a back-and-forth high-scoring game, I think. Um, because Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, they actually got drafted in the same draft. Um, I think they were the last two in that first round. But I, I think that this will be a toss-up. Um, it's a hard game to pick for me with the Ravens and, and the Bills. Uh, to me, it's not hard. I, I respect the Bills. I definitely do. I think they're a solid, solid, solid team all around. But the difference, as I've seen, is going to be Lamar Jackson. He's going to make it happen. And there's not many people who can stop him from running uh, at all. Like, if he needs to, he can run on them at will. He just tries to actually be a quarterback. Yeah, to a certain degree. I think he he kind of got that mental monkey off of his back um, because he had an amazing run in that game against the Titans where he just got out of the pocket and ran for like 50 yards and nobody could catch him. Um, and we might see that in the in the next game, but I don't think, I think we're going to see it in every game. The Bills. I think we're going to see it in every game. I think they've gotten to the point where they don't – it's whatever gets it done. I think before he cared about doing it 
the quarterback way. And of course, my last result is the running, which he still thinks like that, which is what you're supposed to do as a quarterback. But I think he's more inclined to be like, hey, I know y'all can't stop me to do this. And I need need these yards. I need this touchdown. I I want to get over this hurdle. He does it and he makes it happen. So I think at this point, all around as a team, coaches, all of that, they're like, do what works. And I really think I see, you see an amazing run out of every single one of the, the next rounds he makes. Okay, so you're picking the Ravens? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely picking the Ravens for this one. Hey, I'm okay. not even close to on, on the fence. Okay, well, I wasn't close to on the fence on the last game with the Ravens and the Titans, but I'm, I'm really on the fence with this one. But I'm actually going to go on the other side. I'm going to go with the Bills. They're going to they're gonna get the win. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> not that I'm doubting Lamar. I think the Bills are just really good. Um, but I'm moving along to the Browns and the Steelers, where the Browns got up to a huge 28-0 lead. And they ended up winning the game 48-37 to over the Steelers. So, with the Browns finally beating the Steelers and getting a playoff win, can they ride this momentum to beat the Chiefs? Hmm. I don't think so. It isn't, <laughs> isn't the coaches still in quarantine? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I, I still don't. I really, it's not that I don't think they have a shot. I think their run is over. I think the, the good story is, is, their story is a success already. And I, I know Baker wants to prove himself, and they, I don't think there's just as much of a chip on their shoulder when it comes to this game. And even if there was a chip, I think the Chiefs still handle them. They, they only have a good chance if they have an extreme chip on their shoulder. And I don't think there's many things to – like you have no, normal motivation, but I don't think there's that many things to motivate them to beat the Chiefs or they face them and they, they lost. Or it's just not enough created drama to be invested enough to impose your will on a team who's actually supposed to win talent-wise. Well, I think their motivation is looking at that line because they have the Chiefs by 10, which is highly disrespectful because they don't think that they are anywhere near on their level. Um, but I think the, the Browns have probably a 30% chance of winning, which is, I think, a, a really good chance. Um, but the only way that they do win is if they get up very early. They have to get a lead and the Browns have to sit on it. They have to run with those running backs, Nick Chubb and... Um, uh, Kareem Hunt, they they have to do that. If they don't do that, then they, I don't think they have a chance. After that, they they just have to get to a big lead. Uh, yeah, and they're not the Steelers. That was ridiculous how fast they scored twenty eight points. It was it was. I watched all of that part, and I was like, "Good God Almighty! How in the world are they down twenty eight zero so quickly?" And they technically could have still lost the game. Um, so I, I just don't see it. I just don't see the Browns. And I actually think that 10-point line is appropriate. It may sound disrespectful, but I think they get beat by more than that. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that I, I, I think the, the Browns 
like being the under, underdog, at least um, Baker Mayfield does. I think that's when he probably performs his best, not when he's supposed to win. When was the Browns ever not a underdog? Well, going into last season, whenever people were saying that they were going to win the division, maybe even <laughs> go com- to the Super Bowl. That's complete hype. But <laughs> they yeah, always. But that's what I'm saying. That's what gives them that that motivation or that the thought that they should be winning. Going back to last season, I can I hear you. I definitely hear you. Because, but I I agree. They've always been the underdog. I know Baker. He signed up for being a, a underdog by being a part of the, the Browns. They've only won two playoff games in their entire history. They've always been the underdog. So I I can't. <laughs> I, I hear you, and I definitely, you're, I completely agree with the whole Baker Mayfield because I think he fabricates underdog situations in his head, like Jordan, uh, so that he can be extra motivated. But I don't think that always works out for him. Oh, definitely not. It it is. I mean, it it's more likely to fail than be a success for him. But yeah, I, I give the Browns a thirty percent chance, but they're probably going to lose. Um, they had a great season. It was a great run. They got a playoff. <laughs> nobody thought they were going to get. But it comes you put to them in the end. grave. You put them in the grave. You said they had a great season. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a success story. Yeah, you just went from a chance to a buried. Damn, the game happened yet. I, I ain't buried them yet. <laughs> well, I, I, the game could be close, but I don't think they're going to win. I agree. I, I still agree, though. Um, but we'll move along to the NFC side where the Rams defeated the Seahawks 30 to 20 with Russell Wilson throwing for 170 y- 174 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. And Jared Goff coming in after the other starting quarterback uh, went out with a head injury and threw for an abysmal 155 and one touchdown. Um while we also have Cam Akers, who ran for 131 yards and one touchdown. So, with the Rams defeating the Seahawks, do they have any chance of beating the Green Bay Packers in or at Lambeau Field? I do. I definitely do think so. They have a chance. It's because you don't uh, like Aaron Rodgers. No, no, no. I, I, I don't dislike Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Actually, I'm more inclined to like Aaron Rodgers as the year has gone along, and that's dope, definitely because of the whole like for Brett Favre, but even Brett Favre has lightened up. They, they understand each other more. Uh, Aaron Rodgers came in as an arrogant, uh, high-profile quarterback who didn't feel like he really... Well, it, it's a whole thing. I'm, I'm not even going to get far into that, but... I do think they have a chance due to the defensive line of the Rams. Uh, That's not why. Because I think if they can handle that defensive line not getting extreme pressure on Aaron Rodgers, then they'll win. The the Packers will win. But I think the defensive line is going to be the difference. Defensive line versus quarterback is going to be the difference of this game. Yeah, I agree. Um, But I think it's like the situation with the Washington football team where they have a great defensive line, um, you know, really smart in the secondary with Jalen Ramsey and a couple of other guys, but they just won't have enough on offense 
Um, I mean, they'll they'll play pretty well. They put up a good fight, but um, it won't be good enough. I can hear it. I, I definitely hear it, especially since it's supposed to snow. It's supposed to snow in two games, uh, Baltimore and Buffalo, and the uh, this game, the Packers and also the Rams, which could be a shell shock when you're coming from uh, California weather. So that might change the situation too. So you, you are more inclined to be right. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the the Packers, the last time I saw them play in the snow, they destroyed the team, which was another playoff team, the Titans. So um, it's not really looking good for the Rams if it does really snow. But they just got to shorten the game. <laughs> they got to use their running back and um, keep the ball away from Aaron Rodgers. But I don't really see that happening. I see it being something like the Buccaneers and the Washington football team game. And um, they'll come close, but not close enough. Okay. I guess um, it, it definitely likely, but you, it, things don't ever play out as most people think they do, uh, as we say, seeing sports over and over again. But yes, I agree. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, but we'll move along to the Buccaneers and the Washington football team with um, the Buccaneers moving on to play the Saints. Um, Tom Brady threw for 381 yards two touchdowns, and also Leonard Fournette got 93 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown, while Mike Evans got six receptions for 119 yards. And also, rookie quarterback, uh, I know it's Heineke, Taylor Heineke threw for 306, one touchdown and one interception, and also led the team in rushing for 46 yards and a rushing touchdown. So, do you think Taylor Heineke has a future on the Washington football team. It sounds good, but I don't think that's going to happen. It's too much time to evaluate. Like, it, it was a great show of what he did. And maybe if he had two to three games, he might have a chance. But I really don't think he gets a chance, not with the Washington. They're looking to move forward in productive steps, and you really can't take a – Take a risk on a off the street quarterback who who performed well, but you got a half a year before you get to see him perform again in the same situations. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to agree. I mean, it's probably gonna be something like um, guard Minshew if they're not able to really find a quarterback um, mm-hmm. for this upcoming draft. Um, because Gardner Minshew, he did play well for some time, but you know it's over. They're gonna get Trevor Lawrence. And probably the same thing is going to happen with Taylor Heineke. He played well. He mm-hmm. played violently. But, you know, it's coming to an end. Um, but can the Buccaneers overcome their enemy, their nemesis, the Saints? I think this is where it stops. The carousel start, stops here. The Saints, they're a real team. They've been playing through struggles, injuries. And all type of things have still been making it there. They have really not had their players together other than uh, this past game. So I, I think it, the buck stops here. Uh, dang, what a pun. But yeah, the buck stops here. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it's going to be very hard for the Buccaneers to overcome the Saints. Um, they lost twice to them earlier in the season. 
and they just know how to put pressure on Tom Brady in that offensive line. Um, I'm not sure how much has really changed since then. I know Antonio Brown was pretty new to the team at the time, and he's gotten a little bit more on page with Tom Brady, but he got a banged up Mike Evans, even though he played mostly well in the game against the Washington football team. And then uh, we don't know if their starting running back, Ronald Jones, is going to come back because he pulled his hamstring in warm-ups. Um, but Leonard Fournette is a pretty good backup. But there's just too many question marks. I know I know from the past not to really bet against Tom Brady because, I mean, he's come back in so many different games. But Agreed. this is a new team. It's a new situation. Um, I'm just not sure about this one. I agree, but I, it's, I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it stays within the 7 to 13 point range. I don't even think it gets up to uh, winning by 13 points, but I think they just get solidly handled, not like overwhelmed, but just don't come out with the win. I think the Saints in general are way too familiar with their own divisional rival. Uh, it, it, it's just not built for Tampa Bay to win, even though they had the better. Well, I wouldn't even say they had the better talent. I would say they got the better, probably the better overall talent on offense, but definitely not on defense. Um, their but defense, think about it. I think that's Kamara, the that, that's the biggest concern. Think about those players that are on their offense. I really can't say that they have better better players. Um, I mean, you got Kamara, Kamara, Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, and on on the um, Buccaneers, you got Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. True. I mean, they kind of outnum- outnumber them on offense. They do. I think the chemistry is better though. But oh yeah, we're picking, definitely. We're picking at uh, straws at this point. Uh, they pretty just gonna have to line up and. Settled it out, but I still don't think they come out on the winning end on this one. So you're picking the Saints? Yes, I'm definitely picking the Saints on this one. Okay, I'm gonna have to pull out. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna pick the Buccaneers. <laughs> okay, all right, I respect it. We got two differing ones. Yeah, um, there's no need to really talk about the Saints versus the Bears because that game was pretty pathetic, even exactly. to watch. But um, I think that that's all the games for. Um, the NFL playoffs, and now we'll move it along to our last subject, which is the college football playoff with Alabama, Crimson Tide, and Ohio State. So Alabama put a huge, uh, a huge beatdown on the Ohio State Buckeyes with a fifty-two to twenty-four victory. So, sorry. I'm still looking for these stats. But <laughs> uh, just to okay. fill it, okay. So Justin Fields for Ohio State threw for 194 yards and one touchdown, and also was the leading rusher with 67 rushing yards and Mac Jones threw for 464 yards and five touchdowns. Najee Harris, the running back 
ran for 79 yards and two touchdowns and also had some receiving yards, uh, 73 receiving yards. Um, and Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, had 12 receptions for 215 yards and three touchdowns, which all took place in the first half. So with Alabama stomping Ohio State 52-24, to are they the best offensive college football team ever? No. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I, I definitely like the question because that, that was quite an amazing performance. But off off the top of my head, I'm already thinking of like USC with Reggie Bush and Matt Liner and those. That's just off the top of my head. And then you got the Miami years. I just know. I just don't say that. No. Okay, I, I'm I'm definitely going to agree because this year was a weird year. I think a lot of Ohio State players were out um, and probably all throughout the SEC too, all throughout the season. I'm not saying that Ohio State would have won this game with whatever players they were missing, but I think that this is just, just a, a weird year where you can't really count somebody being the best team ever because you got so many players just missing. Um, but I mean, they are a, a really great team, Devontae Smith. I mean, that man, he may be small, but he's very explosive. It looks like he's just galloping out there, running past everybody. Mm-hmm. But um, he's definitely still gonna have to put on some more weight going to the NFL. I agree, I completely agree. He's a beast. Uh, that performance is gonna definitely put him in that top five. We already know that Trevor Lawrence is gonna end up being that number one, unless something gets uh, kind of jumbled around with picks. But I I just can't put them in the field of best. They had the best offensive uh, actual numbers, I think, of any FBS championship team or whatever. But I still just – it's plenty of – not plenty, but there's about four to five other teams in the recent – what, two to three decades where I definitely feel it we're better. And you're right. It's a shortened year. It, it, it's just not a, a year to say your dominance was real dominance, especially when you're Alabama. Yeah. I mean, Alabama, I mean, they're doing exactly what they kind of always do, even though they haven't won the whole thing in a while. I mean, they're always very competitive, but with the performance from Justin Fields, does this lower his stock for the 2021 NFL draft? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I think the M- NFL is moving a certain way with quarterbacks, and I think he fits the mold. So I, I don't think it affects his draft stock. I really don't. I think that is it kind of affects his draft stock. But he's definitely going in the first round. Um, A lot of people have been hyping up this quarterback from BYU and possibly thinking that he's going to be the second quarterback taken. And that's where I think it it could possibly hurt him. Um, But, I mean, he's still going to be a pretty high draft pick. Uh, But he's still going to be drafted pretty high. It depends on your opinion of hurting him in the draft because – he could pick get picked high, but end up on a very sucky team. He could get still be in the first round and 
and be a whole lot better team and be put in a better position. So it really depends on the perspective on hurting him. Uh, because if you, I would, if it was me, I'm cool with dropping lower in the first round because I'm still a first rounder and being on a better team. Yeah, I agree. Um, but a lot of people have hyped up this BYU quarterback, Zach Wilson. Um, he, he did mm-hmm. put up pretty good stats, but had took that ill to my alma mater, um, Coastal Carolina. But Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, for some reason, he's still very hyped. Um, he's a pretty good quarterback, but I'm not sure if he deserves a spot over Justin Fields. I completely agree. Uh, but I, the way all of this is going to play out, I think once again, somebody from Houston or not from Houston, but plays in Houston will be the catalyst on how this kind of plays out like James Harden. Uh, Deshaun Watson will be a catalyst on how the whole draft is going to work, I, I think. Because if you get your quarterback that you need, then that flips on who gets the other quarterback. I agree. I mean, really, I can't wait. Can't wait until free agency or trading time or whatever it is. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> that's it for So You Think You Know Sports. We'll move it along to the trivia question. Uh, it's three questions, all multiple choice. Alex comes up with the questions. I don't know what's coming, but I'll try to give you my best choice along with some commentary. But you can go ahead and go with that first question, Alex. All right. So question one. Which college football player has the most rushing yards by a quarterback in a national championship game? A, Jalen Hurts, B, Joe Burrow, or C, Trevor Lawrence? Wait, you said national championship game? Like this is like the yes. final game? National championship, yes. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Yeah, this is kind of hard. Um, because Jalen Hurts, he played, I think, his first year in a national championship, and they won that one over Clemson. Or did he? Yeah, I, yeah, I think he did. You're right. You're right. Uh, You're definitely right. They did the um, combo of quarterbacks. Yeah, and then you got Joe Burrow. Uh, I mean, he can rush, but I don't think he can rush that much. But Trevor Lawrence, he can really run. He's kind of sneaky fast. But I don't know. Um, I'm gonna make this one quick. I'm gonna go with Jalen Hurts. Okay, you didn't even wait for the robot over, but that is right. (laughs) 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 But yes, that is correct. He has the he doesn't have the most most because I just felt the top person would be just too obvious. Uh, Top person is the Sean Watson with a 73 uh, yards in a national championship rushing. Now, number two is Jalen Hurts, uh, the Alabama versus Clemson game. You're right, the first time around uh, with where he was in it with a 63-yard run. Joe Burrow's right behind him with 58, and Trevor Lawrence is at 49 yards in a national championship. But, uh, yeah, so they were in the the running, but you're definitely correct on that, uh, Jalen Hurts. So, question two. Which player has the most triple doubles as a rookie in the NBA? A, Oscar Robertson, B, Wilt Chamberlain, or C, Ben Simmons? Hmm. 
Now, are we ca- counting the season where he was kind of injured, or <laughs> for Ben Simmons? But <laughs> or the Rick, the the one he actually played in. <laughs> okay, okay, I got you. Um, I, I'm really not sure how many he's really had Ben Simmons as far as uh, triple doubles. I, I feel like it's probably not that much compared to a Wilt Chamberlain because this guy was putting up 100 points and 50 rebounds, 50 um, blocks or whatever. And then who's the other guy? I'm sorry. Oscar Robinson. Oscar Robinson. Okay. I know that he put up triple doubles, I mean, at, at will, but I'm not really sure about him. Um, go ahead and ask that question one more time. Yeah, I was about to say one more time for you. So, which player has the most triple doubles as a rookie in the NBA? A. Oscar Robinson, B. Wilt Chamberlain, or C. Ben Simmons? I think I'm going to have to go with Wilt Chamberlain because he just put up astronomical numbers, and it's just got to be him. I'm going with Wilt Chamberlain. Incorrect. Uh, of course. <laughs> but it, no, it, it, I, I know why I would have went for the same thing if I didn't uh, look up the question myself. But um, the right answer is Oscar Robinson. Oscar Robinson had 26 triple doubles in his rookie season. Will Chamberlain had 12. And Ben Simmons is actually the third person behind uh, both of them in triple doubles in the rookie season. Oh, man. Well, I- Oscar Robertson, he he just he he was the huge question mark. I just wasn't sure about him. I knew that he put up a lot of triple doubles. I just didn't know whether it was in his rookie season or not. That's ridiculous. Twenty six of them, though. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I know that he he kind of passed the torch to Russell Westbrook. He was at he was there at that time where he averaged one for the whole season. Oh yeah. But final question here: Which player has the most interceptions in NFL history? A Ed Reed, B, Charles Woodson, or C, Rod Woodson? Okay. I thought you were going with quarterbacks here, but. <laughs> oh, um, no, not interceptions as in through uh, them, but like actually picked them off. <laughs> okay. Okay. I got you. Um, now, if you were asking who had the most pick, six, pick sixes, I, I would probably most likely go with Ed Reed. But man, th- this is very hard. I. I don't think I really know this one. Um, just go ahead and ask it one more time. Okay. So which player has the most interceptions in NFL history? A, Ed Reed, B, Charles Woodson, or C, Rod Woodson? And just um, to kind of give you a reference, if I'm, you, you're you showing which teams they play for, right? I know you know who Ed Reed played for the Baltimore Ravens. Charles Woodson mm-hmm. played for the Raiders and I think a little bit for the Cowboys. Rod Wilson played for the Cowboys. As far as I remember. Okay. Um, well, Charles Woodson, he played for the, the Packers, too. Right? Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Rod Woodson. He played for the Cowboys. Um, I think won a few championships. I'm going to go with Rod Woodson. Correct. That is correct. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Rod Woodson. Kind of sweating on that one. <laughs> Rod Wilson has 71 interceptions. Charles Woodson has 65, and Ed Reed has 64. Okay. Well, Ed Reed is the most 
like fresh in my mind. Charles oh, Woodson, boy. I wasn't exactly sure about him. I knew that he was, you know, pretty good. But um, Charles Woodson, I mean, no, Rod Woodson, he was on ESPN at one point. I'm not sure if he's still there, but I know that he talked about his past. But that's kind of oh, gave yeah. me a, li- a little clue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Power deduction. But I did make him a little yeah. harder there, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Two out of three. Not too bad. Oh, um, yeah. But that's it for So You Think You Know Sports. See you next week.